Welcome to the Zwift SBS Cycling Podcast. Zwift is the app that turns indoor training into a game. Zwift is interval workouts, training plans, and massive online group rides made fun. Because fun works, and fun gets results. Fun is fast. Go to Zwift.com to try it today. Bonjour, 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 and welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. The sound is very good here because Dave McKenzie and I, we are in a great hotel. Before we start, uh, let's remind yourself that you can download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash tdf, or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me, I just said his name, Dave McKenzie. That's a much better setting than we had yesterday where we were kneeling under the, under the bus uh, to protect ourselves from the rain. We are in a... Relatively good hotel, actually. <laughs> and look at us. Aren't we happy campers? We're, we're a day and a bit and cheers. You always break my glass, by the way. <laughs> aren't we happy campers? Because the penultimate stage is done and dusted. Now all that remains is a TGV tomorrow morning into Paris, onto the Champs-Élysées. The race, it's a late start. We'll get, all, we'll get to that a bit later. But it's a good feeling, isn't it? And... You know, topped off with the last, I guess, 48 hours of just craziness. Craziness that is the Tour de France. It, you think there's certain notches to the to the craziness of cycling, and then the Tour de France goes up another couple. Landslides, ice falls, snow, sleet, the whole works. Shortened stage, 59 kilometres, and then, wow, what an outcome. Absolutely, and then uh, yeah, it's uh, I run out of version of words for craziness. There's not that many words in English to say crazy, but it's just <laughs> been hard to just find synonym of this. It it is, and I think I, I think I said it on yesterday's pod. And if for our listeners, forgive me if I did, but it's it's like describing the Tour de France, right? And and. You know, you say there's 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 drama, there's excitement, there's joy, there's sadness, there's you know there's 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 um, controversy. In yes, we didn't have it so much in today's stage, but that's what we had in one stage yesterday. That's what we had. All of that. Yeah, but today's stage is the result of yesterday because the stage. This is why it's important to mention it. The stage was shortened because there was a landslide, and when you look at on, on social media, the how big the landslide was. I mean, you had guys riding motocross bikes on it. You know, if you if you look at, at the nose, I think the the Dutch um, uh, broadcasters had this. This was incredible vision thinking those guys were doing motocross on that landslide. Yeah, I know. We we're still we're still talking about. We should, we've got to talk about today's stage, but it's still incredible the the vision, and we've seen different types of vision uh, the norwegians were there as well at i think that i think at that same landslide um prior to what the dutch filmed as it was actually sliding it was crazy i mean it was and at one point you could see and, and this was they weren't faking it they were starting to run back because you just didn't know how much of the land then was going to give way and actually engulf them so it was actually pretty serious so uh no it's been a crazy four hours but Let's get to today's stage and what a stage it was, 59 kilometres. Gee, I almost felt like throwing the leg over the bike for 59 k's. Yeah, and it went fast uh, because it was on the pace pretty much from the, the world go. Um, what do you think went through the mind of the guys that were on GC but behind Bernal? Bernal got the yellow jersey yesterday. Uh, guys like G, 
um, G is in the same team as um, as Bernal, so it's a, it's a bit different. But someone like Kruzvaik, for example, someone like Alaphilippe, were they all with the same goal on putting pressure straight away and try to crack it from the start? Yeah, I think, well, I think Yama Visma were the ones who wanted to put the pressure on early on. Um, and, you know, and they did. They, they had George Bennett, um, Lawrence de Plus, uh, setting a pretty high tempo. And you know what? You know what I've sort of decided now, just as the dust sort of settles on this panel. Oh, you've decided something. <laughs> I decide a lot of things. I just, I don't always share them. I'm going to share it today or tonight. Um, is that... Everyone was pretty much on their hands and knees. I don't think, and you know what? I don't. I don't think even. Not sure that Egan Bernal was flying today. He went into full defence mode, and I think Ineos they would have said, you know, he's 22 years of age. He's very mature, obviously for his age, but I think they've told him to hold back. But I think everyone was just buggered. They were just tired. I mean, Richie Port. We have to touch on Richie. Look, I think he's had a. He's had a, a well fought tour. Uh, he hasn't had a great tour. He, he's lost time in the crosswinds. He lost time in the team's time trial, you know, in a team effort. Uh, and then he's slowly lost bits and pieces on the climbing stages, but not a lot and not all of them. But today was his, probably his worst day, and that was a real shame because I was, I was sort of really thinking he was going to have a good day and jump a few spots, and, in fact, he lost spots. Uh, so he'll be disappointed, but a lot of riders were just tired and they looked tired, and in the end... Yamba Visma um, with the human coat hanger. What's his name? Well, you're testing me now. You're testing me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was. Well done. Um, with Stephen Kruzvike and Bookman as well, uh, because they were the two teams that sort of tried to drive it hard to put pressure on Ineos. They didn't fire a shot. They didn't fire a single shot. And in the end, um, Movistar, it was Alejandro Valverde who led the peloton home. Obviously, Vincenzo Nibali was in that early break, won the stage. So it was a really, it was a different sort of stage to, to I think, what we expected. Okay, let's listen from the winner in English, Vincenzo Nibali. I say in English because that's a huge progress from years gone by, Vincenzo Nibali in English. Are you having a stab at me? Because you, I have, because I've managed to have Vincenzo Nibali on a very clear English. When you told me, uh, 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 he doesn't speak English. <laughs> Is that how I did it? Uh, 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 uh. Exactly. <laughs> you know what? I want to hear this. Let's listen to it. Win here. How you feel? Uh, I feel good. No? <laughs> I, uh, yesterday, today, I have uh, the good sensation. It's, uh, I tried to win the stage yesterday. Okay, Natural is at the race because of the bad weather. But today, another one uh, in the breakaway. I have uh, the good sensation, the last 15K, to try to, to win the stage. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> I win. How much of a relief it is, actually, this whole tour? How, how did you leave this whole tour? For me, it's, uh, this tour is no, not so simple. After Giro Italia, I don't have the, the good condition, only the, the 10 days, but, if, but after 10 days, uh, the, bad, bad, the bad condition and, uh, and nothing. Uh, day by day, I try to recover, and uh, only the last week, uh, I have another one, the, the, the good sensation. So that was uh, Vincenzo Nibali in English, again, in English, clear English, even better than mine, I think. Impressed? I'm giving you five-star kudos. I have to. I have to. You know what? I think I've got him once, but his English has improved. And 
he was happy to speak in English too, wasn't he? And he wasn't sort of because uh, he said to me in the past, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm worried I won't understand you or I won't understand or my English will be bad. But yeah, his English is quite good, and he's a champion. He he's really a champion. I think I've told you not not so much in the podcast, but I've told you off microphone that. Um, the year he won the tour, obviously I was chasing him most days and getting grabs with him. He's a real gentleman. He really is. And you know, they, his nickname's the Shark of Messina, but off the bike, he's really down to earth, mild mannered, reasonably quiet, and just goes about his business. I love him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and a great winner for, for a stage. I think it's well deserved to, for him to have a win on this Tour de France as well because he hasn't been the best tour for him. So therefore, closing in on this Tour 2019 and still hang. Uh, a victory on the Palmares it just shows how much of a champion he is and you know it just shows also um, and I guess to just go back from second yeah, yeah you're right he, he didn't have a great tour but he was sort of he always said he'd wait to La Planche de Belfi which is stage 6 to see where his legs were at because of the Giro de Tella he rode the Giro finished second gave it full gas there and so, so I don't think he wouldn't have been disappointed with his tour. He would have been disappointed if he didn't walk away without a result. It just shows, though, the class of Vincenzo Nibali, himself, Chris Froome, two of the greatest ever Grand Tour riders, not just of this generation, but you could argue of any generation, right? It's taken him until the penultimate stage to win a stage, and he's been trying for a good week now. And we know also that Bahrain has been through the ropes with our certain Ron Dennis, which we're not going to go back to that story, but mentally in the team, that must have taken a bit of a toll. So for them to pull out a win there, it's it's well it's it's, it's well deserved. Yeah, it shows how tough uh, Nibali is, and and you know what, credit to the team, and um, yeah, no, definitely, and and it was a it was a gritty win because he went away with a group of 24, 25 riders early on, and one by one picked them off. And I mean, the last few guys he picked off, this just shows the level of Vincenzo Nibali, and he's not at one hundred percent, is he? Let's face it, he's, he's on a one day. Yes, he probably is. He rides off the wheel, Ilna Zakarin and Michael Woods. Zakarin's won a stage of the Tour. Woods has won a stage of the Vuelta and a medalist at last year's World Champ. So we're talking two world-class bike riders. Uh, just as, as in, an insider, uh, when I was doing the tip, I was saying to my colleague Edo, I should pick up Nibali. I'm going to pick up Philippe just because uh, and just because I've picked him up all the way through so why not on the last but I was going to pick up Nibali on this stage you know what I like it though you were trying to channel some inner strength to Philippe, weren't you absolutely uh, so much riding so much cycling so many kilometres so many hopes and in the end of the day we've got two Ineos on the podium it's quite incredible not in the if, if, if someone had said that to us at the very beginning, we would have thought, oh, no, it's going to be an Ineos domination, one and two. I mean, not too many times they've had one and two on the podium, if ever. at all, ever. They, I don't think they ever, ever. It's their best result ever where they actually haven't dominated the race. Uh, do my <laughs> oh, look at that. My wife's just arrived in Paris. How good's that? <laughs> in time, does she know we have to do a podcast? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, don't worry. You know, I'll tell her that, hang on, the Frenchie's a little bit angry because, um, yeah, look, it's, uh, yeah, if someone had said at the very start they'll finish one and two, you would have thought they'll be in yellow from day seven or eight. Oh, no, it's going to be a bit of a domination and, dare I say it, a bit of a boring tour, clinical, you know, and, and that's, it's not, a, and it's not a criticism of Ineos. 
it's it's just a criticism of from a media standpoint that we want to see action packed all the time to keep our viewers engaged, uh, you know, and, and are ones that sort of sit on the fence or on the fringe of cycling uh, as a as a as an interest. But you know what? It's actually been a fantastic tour. And they got the jersey with two days to go. They've never done that before in any of their wins, I don't think. So it's been, it's yeah, it's quite incredible the way it's unfolded. And, you know, I guess the, the flip side of that is no Frenchman on the podium. And I think it was so many people wanted to see that this year. And obviously with Philippe and, and I won't bang on about it, but you probably, you knew where I was heading with that all along. And I felt the writing was, was always on the wall. Oh, you you can't see, but there's a bit of a smirk in this <laughs> from me. You no. saved your house. You saved yeah. your house. <laughs> That's true. I've saved my house. I keep forgetting. Um, but the big one for me, and I'll just tell you something, and I'm being serious for a second. In the live show with Tomo in the, in the opening of the – sorry, at the end of the stage, I think it was, or the opening of the stage, sorry, we, we were showing some of the highlights from yesterday's stage. And one of them was Pino withdrawing and him, you know, sobbing, crying and he consoling his teammate. I almost, I almost cracked on live TV emotionally because it was, for me, that has been one of the biggest lowlights because I was so, I've been so into Pino the last couple of years. Um, So it was just, it was devastating to see him withdraw in that way. So do you see when he was hugging his uh, his teammate or his teammate was hugging him, do you know what he said to him? No, no. He said, we've been said in, a, in, in French television, but Thibaut Pinot said to his teammate, I was doing so well, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. He's, so he's, of he's, it. he's not well mentally. What's he sick of, the tour? He's sick, he, well, he, I mean, that's a... I, I don't think we should overanalyze that. It's, he's on a mountain, he's 19 days in, he's obviously distraught, he's tired. I mean... You know, you'd be forgiven for him throwing the bike over the edge of the... Oh, you know, it's... He'll come back to the tour, but he's had this... He's had a love-hate... Not love-hate. Uh, how else would you put it? Would you say that love-hate relationship with the Tour de France? Yeah, because he was one of the greatest uh, uh, thing coming out in the French cycling. Uh, but he just didn't deliver. He had a big crash in the descent that really knocked him back. Uh, so it's you know, he went on the podium uh, before, but he's just he's just sick. When he mentions this, he, it's about being sick of trying and being healthy and doing it and thinking you can, and then almost fate is against you. It's, yeah, it's just crazy. And look, he's finished podium at the Tour. And that's when, I guess, the, the French press and public built him up as the next winner. And I thought he was, I truly believed he was going to do it, you know. And then a, a series of events in the last, what, even just 24 hours. That's all it's been, 24 hours. Uh, it's, it's, I feel for him. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's just, I guess, as a former athlete, and I never had... You know, I never reached or scaled those heights, but the disappointment must be immense for a Frenchman. He's, you know, it's it's immense for anyone. Like Richie Port, for example, you know, two times crashes out, and that we we felt we were so down as a team, you know, because obviously as as an Australian broadcaster, we put a huge focus on the Australians, and especially the Australians that win stages like Carla Bjorn or a Richie Port that we believed could potentially win the tour. But there was something about the Pino thing, I've got to say, probably the romance of it, because I do get into that. And uh, 
Yeah, it was sad. It was really sad. He goes, uh, side note for you. <laughs> side note for you, Dave McKenzie is a romantic. Uh, uh, we were talking about Eagle Bernal. Uh, let's listen to him. Eagle, uh, you were very emotional yesterday, but now today, is how are you feeling? Yeah, uh, the same, to be honest. Uh, I don't know, I'm, I can't believe it yet. I think that, uh, yeah, I'm really happy. I have one stage in front of me just to, to win the tour. So, yeah, I just want to cross the line tomorrow. And then I think that I will be the most happy person in the world. Have you had time to see all the flags, all the supporters around and everything that is around, the, the fever around you? Yeah, yeah, I saw too many flags of Colombia. Uh, it's incredible, the Colombians are everywhere. So, yeah, really happy for the support. For sure for us is something really important. It will be our first Tour de France ever. So, yeah, really proud to, to bring the jersey to Colombia. And then in the history book, you enter as one of the youngest uh, winners of this tour. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just 22 and I want to, to enjoy it. We just want to, to enjoy it and, yeah, like you said, just cross the line tomorrow and then I will be happy. So that was Egil Bernard. I mean, he's a true champion. As I mentioned in the interview, he's probably the youngest winner of the Tour de France in the modern age. He's definitely one of the youngest ever. Yellow jersey, white jersey. He was battling for the Polkadot jersey. And he's 22. You know what I'd love to do? Do you want to know? What yeah, go on, go on. No, no, you're part of this, brother. You are part of this. We need to get it. Look, we've, we've started this podcast series in Belgium, for God's sake, a week before the Tour de France started. You know what we should do? Let's go to Colombia. Boom. <laughs> Let's pitch it. Let's pitch it right now. Maybe we could crowdfund it. How much do we need to get to Colombia? Cheap flight, one-way ticket. Whew, gee, it could all go. It could be sort of like the hangover. <laughs> hangover 4. How, but imagine, and for, again, just to our listeners, go back, if you can see on YouTube or somewhere, type in the search bar or Google Tour of Colombia earlier this year, and I think and Chris Froome went. The crowds were massive, massive. Colombia now... They've had this, they've had this love affair, Colombia, with the Tour de France, right? And the Tour de France, by the way, have had a love affair with Colombian cyclists, Lucho Herrera, Fabio Parra. That they were sort of the, the pioneers, and probably even prior to that. But when I was a kid growing up, they were the, they were sort of like when suddenly, the, the press and the and the fanatics and the, and the um, the experts used suddenly started talking about gifted climbers, you know, gifted climbers. They couldn't time trial. They couldn't do crosswinds, but they could climb. And Fabio Parra and Lucho Herrera were exceptional at that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But him, he, he seems to be almost above all this, even this, because he's the first Colombian to win this race. But what manner of winning as well, because he hasn't sat back and just rolled in. I think the sad thing, though, he will not have a stage win at his Palmares on this Tour de France, even though he should have probably won yesterday. Yeah, true. I don't think it's sad. I think that's too strong a word. I think it would have been nice to see him win, yes. And as the, the winner, it'll come. I think at 22, you know, and, 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 again, and I'll almost stop myself there because uh, we talk about now how many can he win. Let's just celebrate this one at 22, you know. 
you, you never know what happens in your career. And let's hope he. I hope he goes on to win more because he's going to be a, a champion. And I and forget. And it, and it's almost not about the bike. And and I know we don't get us wrong. We're not getting caught up in the moment. I'm, I think I'm speaking for both of us. When you speak to him, for a 22 year old kid, he seems mature. He's, he wants he wants to be honest with you. He's only just met you for the first time. The the interviewee. He's happy to talk in English. His English is good. He's only learnt it in the last 12 months. You know, he's he's just got all the other attributes that you love about an athlete, all the good stuff, and and that's what he's got. And I think that's really important not to not to lose that. Um, and we we need to focus on that as much as how good he is on the bike. Absolutely. And then second, Garen Thomas. Uh, again, uh, uh, one, two for, uh, for, uh, for Ineos. Uh, that was almost unreal uh, at, the, at the very beginning because we knew they were going to have this battle. Uh, do you think he's disappointed or not? Uh, you know what? I think there's... I think in, in respect to Garen Thomas and in credit with credit to him, the character and the person that he is... I reckon there's 0.5% of disappointment. Of course, he would have loved to have won, and he'd say that as well. But today, I mean, they had a, they had a team plan, and they executed it yesterday and today, and G followed the script exactly, and he led Bernal up to the finish line. And you could see it was, it was a real joy and smile on G's face and excitement to... to hold hands with Bernal across the finish line. He was genuinely happy. And I think he was, I don't know, again, I think he was, you know, it's like they've looked after this young kid for three weeks and now they're putting him up on the pedestal. And I think they all feel proud, like, like, a, like an older brother. So I feel like maybe that's what he feels like. Don't you think that uh, if you look at Ineos and how they behaved around this Tour de France for the last three weeks, they look less clinical, less of a very well-oiled machine, and therefore more human without Chris Froome? 100%. 100%. And again, and it's a credit to Chi, we've just got a busload of, I think it's Kentucky Tour, <laughs> we're in for a big night. <laughs> the Kentucky Tour has rocked up. I tell you what, I'm glad I got my room key before they did. <laughs> Because generally, generally, hotels in Europe, if I can say this, I won't single out friends, the higher star rating you go up, it's just harder to check in. It's just hard work. Like, just give me my key for God's sake. And you can see here, it's organised chaos. Anyway, we'll get back to what we're talking about. 100%. And that's out of credit to Chris Room, the, 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 the writer that he is and the level that he sits on. But... Again, it was because also they didn't get the yellow early on and they couldn't. And, you know, we've just had a, a, we've had a really even bike race and it's only been banal. You know, it was like the Tour de France was saying for the last two weeks, who's putting the hand up? Who's putting the hand up? Two days to go, Egan Bernal said, I am. I want to win this race and I'm going to show you how it's done. And the Tour de France said, OK, step up to the plate. And he did. And so... You're dead right. And, you know, and in a nice way, I think they haven't been criticised or booed. Let's, let's put it out there because it's happened in the past. There's been some, I've seen some really nasty stuff. I've been there physically and, and heard it and it's, you know, it's not nice. Um, so I think it's been, it's, it's been a really nice win for the team of Sky, Ineos. It's the same team, but I think it's the guy, the kid that's won it 
and uh, Ineos haven't been in the limelight either. They haven't they haven't been in the press much. They haven't had to do a lot of interviews because they haven't been winning. So I think that's helped as well. Absolutely. Okay, uh, Peter Sagan. He's always he's on the planet Peter Sagan. Uh, before we start talking about him, let's listen to Peter Sagan. Peter, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. How does that feel? Seven. You see tomorrow. <laughs> well, seven. I don't know. I am. I am very happy. Like uh, that's why I, I I was here in Tour de France to yeah take another green jersey and I uh, almost there. Like if some something bad not gonna happen tomorrow then it's almost there then uh well well i had also a very nice surprise last two days they make the shorter stages then it's not easy for me but i was very happy then yeah now we are here peter sagan in an interview i mean what else can we say seventh jersey potentially if nothing happens this is what you just said but we don't wish this on on anyone What do you make of this, Peter Sagan? Well, what I first make, oh, you can count to seven. Fantastic. <laughs> Secondly, I don't think I should do the mix zone anymore because you've just smashed it out of the park. Well done. Um, make sure the boss knows this. <laughs> well, hopefully she'll listen. No, look, he's. let's just uh, remind our listeners again, if he didn't get DQ'd for a ridiculous decision by the UCI to kick him out of the race when he allegedly knocked off Mark Cavendish, which he didn't do, in my opinion... In my humble opinion, um, this would be number eight, number eight green jersey. So effectively, apart from the DQing, every Tour de France he's started, he's won the green. Is that right? It's true. So yeah, I mean, what what else can we say about Peter Sagan? He is just he is one of the greatest. You know, there's you've got your general classification riders, Grand Tour riders, some of the best ever. You know, Nibali, Chris Froome, um, Egan Bernal potentially, and then you've got this other guy who really, in a, in a wholesome way in cycling, he sits head and shoulders above the rest, doesn't he? Surely. Like, when you talk about the classics, uh, you know, he's won 18 stages of Tour of California. Like, has the race been going that long for him to win 18? Like, it's madness. Absolutely. Okay, let's round up the uh, the Aussies. Uh, some very big highs, little lows as well around the Aussies. Uh, it's a mixed bag of emotions around the results for the Aussies this year. Yes, it is. It is. It's Look, I think they should all hold their heads high. Um, Caleb Ewan, obviously, the massive standout, the big winner. I don't, you know, sometimes when we dissect, and this is sort of behind the scenes, when we're talking about how we're going to open and talk about our TV program, we have the winners and the losers. I don't think you could say there's losers in the Australian outfit. Um, for example. I, I didn't. I said there's high and then little lows. You're getting a bit sensitive now. I never said you said it. No, uh, you, you plural, I mean. Um, like Michael Hepburn, for example, and this, is, this sounds really bad, and I haven't been doing the post-stage every day uh, on, the, on, the, on the actual track when they cross the line. I don't think I've interviewed Michael Hepburn for the whole tour, and I feel bad about that because I guarantee you he's done a mountain of work. Uh, Luke Durbridge, I did interview, I think, once, Again, they, they would have done a mountain of work for Mitchell and Scott. They are behind all four of those stage victories that that team has had, guaranteed. So they're the unsung heroes. So, and then you've got someone like Richie Port. We've mentioned Caleb. You know, Richie, yes, he hoped for more. But, jeepers, he climbed with the top 10 in the world for most of the bike race. 
Michael Matthews, though, uh, came very uh, annoyed in this Tour de France, and that didn't leave him. He, he felt like he was grunting his way through this Tour de France so far. Yes, it was a little... He had a beanie's bonnet, didn't he? And um, Michael, Michael's a superstar. You know, he is, a, he is an incredible athlete, and I like him. I like his persona. Um, but sometimes I think he, well, I think he wears his heart on his sleeve. You know, he totally does. And he, he's not the sort of guy that gets voices, his anger really outwards. He doesn't get, he doesn't yell or, you know, throw the helmet or he, he sort of keeps it all inside him. And then he, he lets it out sort of slowly or that's what it feels like. Um, you could feel during pretty much his whole tour de France that something was bubbling, something was bothering him. Well, he's won the green jersey. He's won the green jersey in two stages. So he's, you know, he's he he came here, I guess, expecting, putting the pressure on himself to win at least one stage, deliver for the team, and then anything after that, you know, would be a bonus. And sometimes things click. Sometimes sometimes things don't. And unfortunately, with a day to go, it hasn't clicked for Michael. He hasn't had a terrible tour, by the way. He just hasn't won. You know, he hasn't had a terrible tour. He just hasn't won. And 20 years ago, when a guy would finish fifth, an Australian would finish fifth on a stage, we would be jumping up and down for joy. So I think again, and I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to um, smooth over the lack of performances, if we want to say that, of some of the Australians. I just think we need to keep it in perspective because we are, we've got superstars falling from trees in Australia for a nation of 25 million people cycling's ranked about number 10 in popularity at the world at the biggest event of that sport we're at the pointy end so you know we just need to keep it in perspective and the Tour de France is one race of the year for Michael Matthews he's actually had a pretty good season when you look at his uh, his results for the rest of the year so but he'll be disappointed saying all of that he will be disappointed with this tour Absolutely. Okay, we are going to leave it here because we are still one stage in for tomorrow, but it's a procession. Procession, yes, but there's a couple of little dents in there. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll quote uh, Matt Keenan and Robbie McEwen here and credit them with this because they were discussing it in the, in the live show, in the live commentary, I should say. And Matt sort of posed the question as a statement and a question to Robbie. The Champs-Élysées, Robbie, for a sprinter, is not a procession. <laughs> It's not a relaxed day. It's not a celebration day. It is full on and outside of the first road stage of the Tour de France, it's probably the most tense and it's actually probably the most prestigious for a sprinter to win. And I would say that just as a fan, it's the most prestigious uh, stage for a sprinter to win. So it'll be a procession until the circuits. The general rule has been when when they see the Eiffel Tower, that's when it's game on. That's when the racing can start. So when they hit the circuits, it's full gas. So prediction for a winner? Can Caleb do make it three? He will make it three. He's been the on paper, he's been the quickest sprinter because he's won two stages, no other sprinter has, and he's placed the best when he hasn't won of the other sprinters. So I think he will, but disclaimer is the Champs-Élysées always delivers a different winner. Like it's always a, you know always delivers something weird and a sprinter who none of us will pick so we might just see something like that i wonder you know maybe alexander christoph again he did it last year maybe what about the gorilla 
Yeah, Greipel for probably what could be his last Tour de France. We don't know, but it could definitely be his last Tour de France. Uh, yeah, that would be an amazing send-off. Is it controversial? What would we would we rather Caleb win three, or would we love to send Greipel off with a final victory? I think this Tour de France is so crazy. We're going to leave it to the people that listen to this podcast. Tell us, if you listen and you've been courageous enough to listen to this podcast till the end, uh, go on Twitter, either on my handle, at Simale, or yours, David, uh, or on the Cycling Central one, whatever, where it's posted and where you're listening to this uh, podcast. Let us know, who do you want to win, Caleb Ewan or the Gorilla Gripple. Thank you, Maga. Thank you. One day to go. Let's catch that train. Absolutely, thank you. This was the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we go, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash tdf or schedule a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until the next podcast tomorrow, which likely to be starting from the train. It's bye for now. Before we go, a quick shout out to Zwift, the app that turns indoor training into a game. Getting started is easy. You just need your bike, a trainer, and your PC, Mac, or Apple device. With training plans, interval workouts, group rides, and a global community to motivate you, level up, and become a stronger rider. Give people a ride on, and you're sure to get one back, as together you enjoy the massive benefits of social indoor training. Go to Zwift.com today for your free trial.